Hello, everyone. Welcome back to On Air with Air On. I took a little bit of a break last week due to everything going on with uh, COVID-19 or coronavirus, and I didn't record an episode because, quite frankly, only a few things happened in the the gaming industry. Uh, Some big things, but I decided I was going to just talk about them in today's episode and just kind of go over them and all this stuff with gaming and coronavirus. It seems that I've been talking about that quite a bit in my show, and I do apologize if it gets repetitive, but it definitely is impacting the gaming industry in a much bigger way than it was at first, because a couple events were canceled at first, um, notably a lot of big ones, of course, um, such as E3 being uh, canceled, and some other ones, tournaments and whatnot. But now games are almost all being played exclusively on um, digital download. Some stores are available for you to pick up games that are essential retail. So Target, Walmart, you can pick up games there. But games like GameStop, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit, They had a little bit of the controversy with coronavirus and buying games and what deemed as essential retail. But basically, everything's been just kind of hitting the fan recently. Not even just gaming related, but with with everything. I realized that I haven't been able to visit my grandparents, and they live just a couple minutes down the road from me. And, you know, it's weird thinking that you can't go and visit someone because you could potentially be a carrier and bring the virus to someone who might be one of the high-risk victims of coronavirus. There have been plenty of uh, deaths caused by coronavirus recently, and it's definitely something that everyone needs to take seriously. Uh, But obviously, don't freak out. Don't, Don't panic buy toilet paper. Please, for the love of God, do not panic buy. But just be cautious and uh, be courteous and understanding and just make sure that you're doing everything that you can to make sure that you and everyone around you is healthy and happy. So with that out of the way, let's go on to the show. The first thing that I'm going to talk about in the news in the gaming industry is GameStop, as I had alluded to prior. GameStop plans to close over 300 stores in 2020. This announcement doesn't have anything specifically to do with coronavirus. They're not closing stores because of everything that's going on virus-wise. It's a plan that was set forth in action before this all came through. I remember reading that last year, they closed 320 GameStop store locations around. So this year, they're going to close somewhere around that same number. So the reason for this is, as I said, not coronavirus-related, But it's more of a business tactic, a financial tactic. As most of us are aware, GameStop isn't doing too hot in the business world. A lot of people buy digital-only games. A lot of people do pre-orders for games through other places, such as Target, Walmart, like I mentioned earlier. But also at Best Buy, uh, they do it on Amazon, and admittedly, I've never bought a game from Amazon, but I can understand the appeal, because sometimes they're five bucks cheaper 
at launch than they are in store. Uh, and then sometimes later on they go off for 50% off. So I can definitely see the appeal. I've always been more of a brick and mortar video game store kind of guy. I love going into GameStop. I think the ratio of times I've been into GameStop and actually bought something is probably seven times haven't bought anything to the three I have bought something if we're going on a scale of one to ten. But I know I'm not alone in this. And while it's fun and all to just go in there and see things, there's just sometimes things that I don't want to get. And I know that a lot of other people think that way. And GameStop is trying all these ways to find out how to make their stores more profitable. And the way that they're seeing to do this is to just, you know, desaturate the market with GameStop stores. Because there's there's a lot of them. I know personally around me, I think there's about three or four GameStops that I could drive to within 20 or so minutes. So that's a good amount. And for me, it just seems that if there's going to be a store like that, where it's that video game store and it's not a mom and pop type video game store, then it definitely should be not as, it shouldn't be what Starbucks is. Cause you know, there's a Starbucks on every street corner. There's Starbucks everywhere you go. You can't go anywhere without seeing at least six Starbucks's. So they're trying to eliminate that many GameStop stores. Uh, Chief Financial Officer Jim Bell for GameStop said that this is to de-densify their store amounts to try and maximize product productivity, as I had said. And, and it makes total sense. You know, if there's five stores, obviously I'm no business or marketing professional, but just based off of logic... If there's five stores and each one is netting in 200,000 at a specific point in time, if you eliminate one, if you eliminate four of them, then one of them is going to be making, you know, 200,000, they're going to be making a million over that time. Hypothetically, of course, that's not perfect, but they want to do this so they can sort of pull in the same profit, but not have as many employees or have as many stores. So as a business, that's a, it's a, it's a really good move. But unfortunately, uh, some workers probably aren't too happy about that because all these other stores are packed with workers. And then hundreds of these people are going to be laying off thousands and they're not going to have a GameStop most likely that they're going to be able to go back and work towards. So we'll have to see how that's going to play out. I'm definitely hoping that, the GameStop that's in my hometown is going to stay because I like going in there and it's really close to a target and it's really close to a Safeway, So I can kind of hit all those stores at the same time. So I really hope that one stays. I haven't heard anything that it's going to close, but, uh, fingers crossed. Next on the list, assassin assassins, Creed Odyssey voice actor, Abubakar Salim. I hope I pronounced that right. I probably butchered it. He announced the launch of his studio called Silver Rain Games. It's an indie studio, and they haven't really announced a whole lot of stuff for their site. He'll be working alongside of BAFTA manager Melissa Phillips to develop and secure funding for their first title, which hasn't been announced yet. So, Salim has been a voice actor in a couple of different works. 
He was in Assassin's Creed Odyssey as one of his more prominent roles. Uh, and he worked with some people on things in, I believe it was World of Warcraft. And, which, of course, Assassin's Creed, World of Warcraft, completely different games. And he's worked on a couple with other people that are very, very different genres. So it'll be interesting to see if there's going to be one type of genre that they're going to focus on. Because one of the things that's really nice is indie studios are getting a lot of love in recent times. Because with things like the Xbox Game Pass or with PS Now, I think that's what it's called, the basically PlayStation's variant of the Game Pass, a lot of these indie developers have the opportunity to have their game on the Game Pass, which people pay a specific amount per month or per year, and they get to play these games for free, which a lot of indie games, I know me personally, unless I know the studio that's produced the game, chances are if I haven't heard anything about it, then I'm probably not going to play it. But if it's included in the Game Pass and I'm already paying for it, then I might as well give it a shot. That's how I've come across uh, a couple of my my favorite games, some games that I really really enjoyed. Uh, Cube Two was one of, is an example of that. Granted, that one was uh, a free game of the month for Xbox Live, but I still played that game and and thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a really enjoyable game. Celeste was also on that as well. That was a free game of the month for Xbox, but Oxenfree was in the Game Pass, and I think they've had some seasons of The Walking Dead on the Game Pass, um, which, of course, it's not necessarily an indie studio. Uh, Telltale Games, that's a, that's a bigger studio. But that same idea applies because indie developers sort of have that, that threshold that they need to break through. So it's really good to see that more notable people are starting these companies so that it's sort of... It's, it's kind of like when... Um, a weird analogy, but it's kind of like when Jack Black went onto YouTube, started doing gaming stuff, and I believe he did Twitch as well as Jablinski. He gained, I think he was the quickest uh, YouTuber ever to reach a million subscribers because everyone already knew who he was. He already had established his popularity through music and acting, so everyone knew who he was. So the transition was really easy. So We'll have to see how Silver Rain Games is going to fare with such a, a notable a notable group with Salim, Phillips, and others. So we'll have to see how that's going to play out. They might release uh, some really, really good games, maybe an indie-themed sort of Assassin's Creed game. That might be fun. Next on the list is the discussion about the Uncharted movie. Unfortunately, uh, the Uncharted movie has been delayed due to, surprise, surprise, COVID-19. This is no surprise, really. I mean, everyone's assuming that things aren't going to get canceled through Corona. And I can understand them being hopeful. But at the same time, it's if you're not expecting something that you're looking forward to over summer to be canceled, well, then it's, you know, you're, you're in for a rough ride because so many things, E3... And Evo's most likely going to get canceled. The The summer 2020 Olympics in Tokyo were canceled. So it's like everything big is being canceled. So this doesn't surprise me. But the Uncharted movie uh, was going to star uh, Tom Holland. 
And a lot of people were looking forward to it because, as I mentioned in the episode, one of the episodes prior to this with the Last of Us TV series, Uncharted is a really popular game that has a very similar vibe, at least from what I've seen in the fans that I've spoken to about it. <coughs> it's got a very similar vibe to Tomb Raider, that series, where it's sort of an exploration, archaeological type sort of thing. And a lot of people would want to see a movie adaptation. I know people are really up in arms when it comes to translating movies into video games, or sorry, other way around, video games into movies. I know a lot of people are having different opinions about that, which I totally understand, because some movies have been botched, uh, you know, such as the original Tomb Raider movies with Angelina Jolie, and there's, of course, thousands and thousands of others. Well, probably not thousands, but you know what I mean, a lot, a lot of movies. And I believe Resident Evil was also another one. I haven't seen that movie, but from what I remember of the community just saying things, I'm pretty sure that movie was a flop. Though it could have been another movie. Not too sure. But the point is, a lot of people are excited when video games are adapted into other media, but a lot of people are also pretty uh, pretty skeptical. So, <clears throat> who knows? Maybe this Uncharted movie... It probably already had a good team working behind it, but it could be even better now that things are being delayed. They'll have more time to sit in their homes, social distancing, and thinking about the best approach to make for this movie and maybe some script revisions. Who knows? Another big thing that happened uh, this past week in the gaming industry, actually just last night, I believe, uh, Gary Newman announces a sequel to Gary's Mod, or Gmod as most know it. A lot of YouTubers have made content surrounding this game, whether it be Prop Hunt or other little skits that they do on that. Uh, one of the a very big example of that is sort of the Vanoss crew. They, I know for a fact, I watched a lot of their Gmod videos, even though I had never played the game and I never really wanted to download the game. It was still funny seeing their content around this game, but it's, it's a pretty old game. The first game, or Gmod, was released in 2004, and no news has really been released about this upcoming sequel or big update or whatever it's going to be, but the only thing that's been announced about it was Gary Newman himself announced on Twitter, well, he didn't really announce it was just sort of a, it was a meme that he posted. It was the one where it was the uh, the guy walking with his girlfriend and they were holding hands and he turns around and he gives the other girl the look and the girl, um, his girlfriend kind of gives the shock face. It was, it was that meme. I, I'm pretty sure you all know that one. And the guy said me, the girlfriend said anything else. I think it was anything or everything else. And then the girl walking by was Gmod 2. So it was implying that he's, of course, not caring about anything else and only looking at Gmod 2. So a lot of people were like, wait, wait, what? You're kidding me, right? Gmod 2? So the comment section was filled with memes and people just excited, a bunch of YouTubers chiming in. So... 
I never played Gmod, so I don't know specifically community complaints. I kind of looked up, you know, community complaints. If there was just this overarching thing that people complained and hated about, there probably is, but I couldn't find anything. I found a couple things, of course, like game crashing, wrong uh, files being downloaded and updated, game not working properly, which the game gets updates, <coughs> of course, but... It's still a very old game, as I said, 16 years old. So possibly Newman could come out and create this this new and advanced sort of version of Gmod because the old game, of course, it has its charm, but of course the graphics are nothing to they're you know they're they're nothing to really I don't want to say love because they they do have their charm to them, but the graphics are of course they're 2004. Just putting it as simple as that. The, the graphics are 2004. Not to say that's bad or anything, but definitely with the new age of graphics being a very huge thing, we might be able to see Newman put together this project for Gmod 2 where it has a lot more realistic graphics. Um, but who knows? He might, he might keep that old charm of that old sort of animation and graphics. So nothing else has been released on that. If anything huge gets put out i'll probably talk about it in a in another episode some controversy in the gaming industry uh, for call of duty modern warfare we have some matchmaking news and controversy so skill-based matchmaking is something that a lot of competitive games try to focus on because it makes total sense because if you're someone that just picks up a game like Call of Duty, for example, and you play it just because a lot of your friends play it and you're not all too good and you just play around, you're going to get distraught and uninterested in the game if you're only getting paired up with people that are professional level Call of Duty players or people that are just really good casual players. So you're not just going to have a fun time. So with the skill-based matchmaking, it sort of helps with finding out who is around your skill level in a game? And then it pairs you with people that are of that similar skill. And then you can you can practice amongst people that are like you, which is awesome, which is really, really good because it really adds to sort of the fun of the game because when you do good in the lobby, then you get you get higher up and you start practicing and you start understanding and then you start getting matched with with better and better people. Which, which is great, because my, me, myself, I I consider myself fairly okay, fairly good at COD. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to gloat saying I'm a professional player, because that's not even close to the case, but I, I, I'm usually pretty high up on the leaderboards, you know, maybe like eight times out of 10, I'm, I'm pretty high up there, and I'm, I've been playing for quite a couple years, so for someone who had just picked up the game, they wouldn't want to be paired in a lobby like with me and my friends because that would just we sometimes try hard and it just wouldn't be fun but the issue with the skill-based matchmaking that a lot of people have seen as a problem with this new call of duty game is that while skill-based matchmaking is present in the modern warfare system there's no official ranked mode there's no mode for people to just say okay well here is the ranked mode. 
now I'm going to go and try and get really good and get awarded and rewarded for playing these really good people and possibly beating them. They want sort of that that gratification. So it's like they're playing towards something as opposed to just grinding levels because that does get kind of tedious, I do admit. And it bugs people for a lot of reasons. They want to receive these awards, as I mentioned, and they, they just want to they want to have more of a competitive aspect. And that's totally understandable. Uh, sort of a loose analogy is in uh, Smash Ultimate that I play. I was actually just playing some earlier today online. I'm not a huge fan of their online system because with Smash, you can just abuse a lot of things in the game. You could play certain characters. You can have terrible connection and it just it doesn't get to be a lot of fun and you can be really really high global smash power or gsp and in reality you're not that good fundamentally you're not that good technically you just exploit stuff that your character can do and you can be for lack of better words annoying so there is obviously trouble with ranked but at the same time as a general rule the higher up you get in rank, the more better people you're going to find and the less annoying people there there's going to be. 100 Thieves CEO Nadeshot stated his frustration with all of this in a tweet. The tweet read, I'll never understand why Call of Duty goes through all of the trouble to implement skill-based matchmaking but won't add a ranking system. If you're going to match me up against better players... Why can't I have a rank to be proud of and work towards? So in that tweet, he sort of kind of captures what a lot of people have been thinking about that, where it's like, okay, skill-based matchmaking, yeah, there's a lot of people there, but there's nothing to be rewarded for playing those people. There is there is no reward system that's different for beating high-level players and really good players than there is playing against people who have just picked up their first controller or mouse and keyboard for a Call of Duty game. Yeah, you might get 45 kills on the people who just picked it up, and you might only get 8 against the really good people. But, you know, other than XP and levels and potential gun camos, there's nothing. There's not a, oh, you get this bronze achievement or gold achievement or whatever it is. There's nothing. There, there's there's no difference between it. And that, that does frustrate and irritate a lot of people because they want to be high up in the ranking systems. Forza has something similar to where you have like the, the fastest time and you can check amongst the hundreds of thousands of people where you place. And it's just sort of a satisfaction thing. Sort of something to work towards. <coughs> but of course, Modern Warfare is getting constant updates. And it's going to be a game that has a shelf life of another maybe two years. Two or three years, maybe. At least I think. So there's bound to be another update that's coming. Season 3 for the Battle Pass is coming soon for that game. So a lot of people want specific things, including this ranking system. So there might be something that they add in in the future, which could be very exciting because I would like to try my hand at that. I'd probably get my butt kicked and be really low ranked, but you know... It might be something fun to test out. Next on the list, a bunch of Mario games reportedly are being remastered for the Nintendo Switch. These games include Super Mario 64, 3D World, 
Sunshine, and Galaxy. These, of course, are some some big ones up in the uh, the Mario games list. I know for a fact a lot of my friends and a lot of people love Super Mario Sunshine. They are huge fans of that game. A lot of people love Super Mario 64. Of course, the speedrunning community loves that game. And then Super Mario Galaxy, of course. These games are all huge games that people are really, really big fans of. And Mario's sort of getting a lot of love in recent times because these these remasters and there's a new Super Mario movie in the makes. So there's sort of this, this big Mario love going around for Nintendo. So these games being remastered could be huge because there's already a lot of Mario games on the Switch. Of course, you have Super Mario Maker 2. You have Super Mario Odyssey. You have all of the games that are on the the, the NES and the SNES. Uh, what is it? The apps that you can download that you get through having a online membership through, for the Switch. So you get a lot of different Mario games. So them remastering this and not porting them. That's the important thing is these games that are on the NES and the SNES things. Those are ports. They are obviously they run smoother, but they're essentially ports. They're not complete remasters of the original games. They are the old games in all of their all of their nostalgia and glory. So these being remasters is going to be a very very interesting thing to see because I never had an N64. I played very few games on the Wii and the GameCube and I've really only started to get big on the Nintendo Switch with some of their titles. So I would love to see picking up a couple of those games cuz I know a lot of my friends they uh <coughs> Sorry, I promise I don't have coronavirus. I just have a little bit of a dry throat. But I know that a lot of my friends are on the fence about getting a Switch, and a lot of people I know are on the fence getting the Switch. One of my friends likes to say that the games that he plays on the he he would play on the Switch are games that he would want to play with other people. So, with these games potentially being included, it could lead to a lot of people buying a Nintendo Switch system for all of these collections of Mario games. And, of course, since this isn't anything that Nintendo has directly set a release, release date for or anything of those that sort, no one knows how the games are going to be released. It could be in a pack. It could be like a nostalgia pack where they release all the games for $60 or something like that. They could release each game individually for $60, each game individually for $20. So no, no one knows how the games are going to be released yet. I would personally love to see sort of like a nostalgia collection sort of thing because I'm, I'm a big fan of those collection things where they have a box and artwork, pre-orders, whatnot. And I would love to see them have like for the cover of the box, I think it would be really, really cool to do with like the remasters to have the front side be the new remastered graphics and then have the back side just sort of have the old original graphics on there. Or they could do something where um, they have the front split between the old graphics and the new graphics. They kind of have a line down the middle and show that. I think that would be a really cool thing to see. So we'll have to we'll have to wait and hear from Nintendo 
to see if there's going to be anything more released about this. So March is coming to an end at the time of this recording. It is currently March 31st. So tomorrow we are going to be in the month of April. And with a new month comes more new games to be released. So a couple of these games that are going to be released in April go chronologically as followed. April 3rd, we are going to receive the we are going to see the Resident Evil 3 remake. And that game is going to be coming out on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. So Resident Evil is definitely getting a uh, a lot of love recently with the recently remastered Resident Evil 2. So this game is probably going to be well received. I know there was something saying how the game's really short, the story's really short, and it's you know like an hour and a half or, or something like that. I don't remember exactly. I never played the game. But that's the only controversy I've been seeing. But overall, I think uh, Resident Evil fans are going to be really excited to get their hands on this. Not being released on the Switch. So if you have any of those other consoles, then possibly look into picking that up. April 7th, we are going to see Disaster Report 4 Summer Memories. And that one will be released on PS4, Switch, PC, Amazon, and Steam. April 10th, we are going to see Final Fantasy VII Remake, and that's a PS4 exclusive, and you can find it also on Amazon. <clears throat> April 23rd has Azure Striker Gunvolt, Striker Pack, and that is going to be coming out on the PS4, and it hasn't been released exactly where you will be able to buy it yet, so keep your eyes out for that one if you're interested. April 24th, is going to have Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Storm 4 Road to Boruto. And that one is coming out on the Switch eShop. Also on the 24th, we are going to see Predator Hunting Grounds, which is coming out on the PS4 and PC. And also on that day, we are going to have the Trials of Mana PS4, Switch, and PC. That one, I believe, is a, a remaster or a remake. I do believe that that's the one, but that's also another one that I've seen a lot of people talking about. April 28th will give us Gears Tactics on the Xbox One and PC. And then also to be determined is Minecraft Dungeons, which is going to be coming out on the Xbox One and the PC. And I think I remember hearing that pre-orders are now up for that game, uh, and it will be included on the Xbox Game Pass. So we will have to see if there's going to be any more announcements for games coming out in April, release dates for future games. So we are going to have to see where that one is going to go. So that is going to conclude the list for news in the gaming industry. So next on the list, I'm going to talk about something that happened within the past week, known as the Quarantine Series for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So, since everyone is quarantined in their house and most businesses and events have been cancelled, a lot of people that are a part of the competitive fighting game community are suffering. Because most games, most tournaments, most events take place offline. They take place in a venue with a bunch of different setups and there is no online connection necessary. 
But unfortunately, with all of this going on, there's no way, no legal way, of course, to get people together to be able to compete in, in any tournaments. So this puts a damper on those people's careers because a lot of people dedicate their time to Twitch streaming, uploading to YouTube, stuff that they're doing for the fighting game, and specifically Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I know there's a lot of pro players and high-ranked players that mostly do Twitch and YouTube, but for those that really do love to compete and they love going to these offline tournaments, there's been nothing really except the Quarantine series. Now, the Quarantine series was put on by two big names in uh, the content creation world, um, Moist Critical and Alpha Rad. Moist Critical on YouTube goes by PenguinZ0, if you've ever seen him on there, but Critical is his uh, sort of his name that he goes by. And then, of course, Alpha Rad is another very popular content creator, mostly for Nintendo things and Smash Bros. Ultimate. So they decided with their combined talent to put together this series of Smash Brothers Ultimate Online tournaments. Critical also did a tournament not too long ago, it was sometime within a month ago, called the, the Soaked Series Invitational. And that was a tournament that was another online one that just kind of got people introduced to this whole series. It had a $20,000 prize pool i believe so we have these youtubers and these people playing this big part in trying to revamp the community because one of the things that really sucks is the smash world tour that i mentioned in a previous episode has been canceled it was this whole huge thing that so many people in the melee and ultimate and overall smash brothers community were really excited about myself included and they had to cancel Pretty much all the events, because they were all offline tournaments, none of them were online. So, a lot of people were upset about that, and there wasn't really a whole lot going around with, you know, tournament-wise. So, this whole quarantine series is definitely coming around to be very, very good. Of course, everyone's going to have their problems with Wi-Fi. I mean, even if you watch some of the videos of the, the Soak series and the quarantine series, there's lag. It's basically unavoidable with Nintendo's online servers, which are terrible. Both people can have wired connection and can still have lag. And it's just, it's not, it's not effective. And there's no way of confirming that the other person has a wired connection. So you could be playing against someone with lag. And if they're used to playing with the lag and you're really not, then you're going to be at a disadvantage. But nonetheless... If the stable connection goes by effectively, then you have what the Quarantine series is. And it's really phenomenal. I didn't, Admittedly, I didn't watch the whole stream, but I did watch some clips on YouTube. I did tune in a little bit. And it was really nice. Because Alpha Rad and Critical brought in a couple very notable names with, uh, with, with commentary. I know for a fact that I believe EE was there. D1 might have been. And... Uh, Vicky Kitty was actually there as well. And it was really cool seeing these these commentators along with Alpharad and Critical sort of commentating these online games and just sort of growing this this community. Because 
as I had mentioned, the Smash community is one that <clears throat> really started off as niche and has grown into something big, but isn't sponsored by the creators of the game. So it's it's all reliant and dependent on the community. So this happening, the online series thing, does not surprise me at all. But it is really, really interesting. And it is something that is really exciting for the future. And the winner, actually, of both of these tournaments, the Soaked Series Invitational as well as the Quarantine Series Invitational, was Cola, who previously went by Salt One. He is a... He played Cloud. He won his Cloud on... A couple days ago, whenever the tournament was, the Quarantine Series Invitational. He won playing as Cloud. He beat Meister. And... He won the Soak Series Invitational not too long ago. I believe he used Cloud as well. Which is awesome to see because Cola is a, a young guy and he's in college. And a lot of people were making jokes saying, oh yeah, he won these tournaments. That's his college tuition that he's paying off. So it's really nice that these communities are still, are still going out and providing com competitors with this opportunity to compete in a not so ideal situation, but still an opportunity nonetheless. So the quarantine series wasn't just this one tournament. There are a lot of others. There's going to be, I believe, one every single month during quarantine. The next one is scheduled for April 28th, I want to say. And I think you can sign up for that. It's not an invitational. You can actually sign up for that tournament if you want to. I don't know what parameters there are. I believe it's a free to sign up tournament. Um, I don't know exactly the parameters, but you can go and sign up and potentially you could face off against some really good people and have your shot in playing some online tourneys. So that'll be something that's going to be exciting for the future and for the potential future of competitive ultimate. There might be two sides. There might be a full online tournament bracket. There might be a full online PGR. There might be the offline PGR and they might do an invitational like online versus offline. Who knows? It'll be something that will be, will be opened up more later on, but hopefully this isn't anything that has to be done, you know, because as of now it has to be done because of COVID-19. There's nothing that we can do about that. It's just sort of happening, but still it's amazing that people like critical and alpha rad care so much about the community and are able to get sponsors and just dedication to this community and this game in general. So very excited to see new stuff that they will present out in the future. So next on the list, I am going to be answering 10 more questions from the 50 fun questions about video games to ask your friends list. So this week, I am going to be answering questions 31 through 40. So we are just going to hop right into that. Question 31. What is your favorite song from a game? Uh, oh, that's tough. Because I, a lot of games, as I had mentioned in last episode, I love the Life is Strange soundtrack. And a lot of those songs are actual songs. They're not OSTs, where they, I believe, were released prior to the game. And 
actually are on different albums and whatnot. So I love a lot of the songs in the game. The songs that Sid Matters does, um, To All of You and Obstacles, are two really, really, really good songs. I can listen to them, and I have listened to them, and still listen to them on drives whenever I'm just listening to music inside my house or whatnot. Uh, but I'm trying to think. Because I'm also a big fan of like OST orchestral style songs from from various games. Uh, let's see. That's a tough one. Um, I think for actual song, uh, I'm gonna go with one from the from from Life is Strange. I really really love. Um, I really love. Oh, what's? The, I'm trying to think. Oh my god, there's so many good ones. Uh, I'm probably gonna put the the mantle on to all of you. That's a really good song. It's got a nice guitar part, and it's just a nice relaxing, chilling song. Not chilling in the you know in the negative context, but just a, a chill, nice, relaxed song. But OST wise, like orchestral put together, I am a big fan of God Shattering Star from Fire Emblem Three Houses. That song is phenomenal. Uh, it plays during the final boss fight of the Golden Deers route. And oh my god, it's so good. The first time I heard it, it just gave me chills. And it was so good. And it's just epic. It's really, really good. So I'm probably going to have to give God Shattering Star the title on this one for OST style of song. Question number 32. Have you ever wanted to live in a world from a game? If so, which one and why? Yes, of course I have. Uh, I've, I've played certain games, though not every game has been perfect, I'd say, with its world, because I love the atmosphere and everything of the Breath of the Wild world, but I would not want to live in that world. <laughs> uh, of course, with the dooming eternal threat happening, I, it doesn't seem like a, an ideal world to live in. Um, I've, always, I've always loved answering this question with GTA V. Because, you know, there's respawn. You can make money. If you get if you get arrested, you could just pay $250, which is nothing. And then you could just go on your way. You know, so it's like... It seems like a, like, like a really ideal world <laughs> where you could just basically do whatever you want. No consequences. It's just, it's just kind of crazy. Uh... But yeah, I don't know. I also really, 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 really love the Pokemon world. Like, even though I felt that Sword and Shield were a little lackluster, um, I'll admit, I love the Pokemon world just in general. So, honestly, I think if I'm going to have to give, the, give that title, I'm going to give that to the Pokemon world. I would love to live in the Pokemon world. That would just be, that would be amazing. Question 33. Which video game character do you wish you were more like? Oh, wait, did I read that right? Do you most wish you were like? Uh, I don't know if I've ever, if I've ever thought that before. I mean, I've definitely looked at characters that were badass. And I wanted to be like, oh, yeah, I'd love to have their power or something. But 
I'm trying to think if there was any character that I said, oh, I want to be like them. I wish I was like them. Um, I mean, if I could be Link, I mean, geez, look at all the stuff that Link's gone through. And the guy can scale literal cliffs if he eats, like, a couple cooked apples. <laughs> this guy's insane. Uh, but I don't know if I'd say I'd want to be like him. Um, yeah, I don't know if there is any video game character that I've ever wanted to be or that I wish that I was more like, I don't think there, I don't think there is one cause I love characters, but I don't know if I'd ever want to be them, you know, in their situation in their games. Uh, so Honestly, this is the first time. I'm probably going to have to say that there's no one. <laughs> there's no video game character I wish that I was I was more like. Question 34. What's a game you've spent the most amount of money on? Um, Like, single game or game series? Because if it's game series, then Pokemon. But if single game, then it's gonna be smash bros ultimate because i bought the full game of course which was 60 dollars. i bought the first fighter pass which was i think was it was it 24.99 yeah it was 24.99 for the first pack and then i bought like a me skin which was 75 cents uh and then i bought the second fighter pass which i'm pretty sure was 29.99 so, I mean, just doing that math, that's that's 55 plus the 75 cents for the me skin and then $60. So, yeah, I've spent I've spent almost $120 on that game. Uh it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's been over the span of a year, so it's not like I spent like $140 at one time. But yeah, that's the most I've ever spent on a video game. Question 35. If you could have one power of any video game character, who would it be? Oh, who would it be? Oh, I think it's I think it I think it's saying who would be the character and like what would be the power. Um Ooh. That one's fun. Uh I think Oh, that's fun. There's so many characters with cool little powers. I mean, there's Max from Life is Strange where she can literally turn back time. Though playing that game doesn't make you want to have that power. <laughs> that game definitely does not make you want to have that power with all the stuff that goes on. Um, there's from Life is Strange 2, the, the, the telekinesis that Daniel has. There's, you know, things like in Smash Bros where you know, Captain Falcon can hit you with his knee and it shocks you and sends you flying. That might be a fun one to have. Um, <clears throat> and, oh gosh. Um, yeah, those are, ooh, there's some, there's some really good ones. I like all see like the funny abilities, like, oh, I wish I would, you know, eat food and feel healthier instantly go to sleep like in minecraft <laughs> i think that would be um that would be pretty fun um but honestly like just kind of badass ability uh oh, i think it'd be kind of cool to be like joker from persona 5 i think that'd be really cool to be to be like him in like the power that he has of course the the power that he possesses 
I think that'd be really cool. Um, ooh, any power that a character has. Um, now that's that's a tough one because there's there's so many good ones. <clears throat> yeah, probably I'm probably gonna go with something. Probably gonna go with uh, even though even though I've never played the game, I know one of those people. Persona Five, like with Joker and the stuff that I've seen in Smash Bros, he has some pretty cool abilities, and he's like super quick, he's super, super agile, and with with his movement. So honestly, I'm probably gonna have his power with being able to, to summon his abilities that he does. Like, ima imagine getting in a fight with someone on the street, and then you just you just rip off your mask, and this demon appears behind you. That would be insane. Uh, so yeah, I'm probably going to have to go with uh, Joker from Persona 5. Who do you usually choose as your fighter in Super Smash Bros. or Soul Calibur? Uh, I've never played Soul Calibur, but of course, as you know, I've played Super Smash Bros. So uh, Captain Falcon is my main. I have I have put a lot of hours into playing him. Under the stats screen in Smash, I think the percentage of time that I've played him relative to the other characters is... Oh, it's insane. It's like 60% or something like that. So I, I've definitely played him <clears throat> a lot. <clears throat> but definitely, if we're talking about more casually, if we're talking about more casually, I love going Ganondorf just to mess with people. I love going Ike just because of the sword. Uh, but I love going as any character, really, when I play casually. Like, I just... I, I like playing as most of the characters in the game. But definitely my go-to for competing is Captain Falcon. X Question 37... Xbox or PlayStation? Choose one. I've already I've already mentioned this before. PlayStation has far better exclusives, and all the games I play on Xbox, I can play on PS4. So I'm gonna have to go with PlayStation on this one. Pretty cut and dry. Thir question thirty eight. What are you hoping for at the next E three? <laughs> it to happen. <laughs> um, well, since E three is not happening, uh, I can say what I would wish to see. Um, I would love, I would love to see more news on, uh, the Breath of the Wild sequel that's supposed to happen. I would love to see, like, a little trailer or something. I'd love to see the next, uh, DLC fighter for Smash, which was announced to be the ARMS, the character from the game ARMS. Uh, but I would love to see just more news on the Breath of the Wild sequel. Uh, more, more like... Something shocking, something really shocking, like a sequel to a game that I thought was dead or a remaster of a game that I played or something like that. I'd love to see something just kind of crazy like that, but we'll have to see. They Maybe on the E3 Direct that's going to come out. Who is your favorite villain from a video game and why? Uh, <clears throat> I got to think about this for a second. Um, favorite villain from a video game and why oh, gosh you know what? i was i was actually thinking about this the other day because <clears throat> i saw a list talking about like the best anime antagonists ever and i was like oh i can't really answer this but i could answer it if it was video game antagonist but now that i get to the question i can't think of one <laughs> like i i know there's i know there's one um like i know there's one definitely from a uh, from a game that i've played um, but villain, like overarching bad guy from a video game. Um, 
this is you know this is this is a tough question because I have I have played games where there's like a like a villain, you know, from something uh, that I really like, um, because I like villains also that are not, you know, the main villain. I like the side ones that are that just kind of develop the character or the main character or or do things like that. Um, I really I really do like them. Uh, one of the villains that I'm a really big fan of actually is from Xenoblade 2. I have not finished that game yet. I'm a little less than halfway done with that game. Um, but Akos, oh my gosh. Like, I, he's just, he's, he's intimidating. He's kind of one of those, uh, soft-spoken, gets loud when necessary type of villains that just sort of has this demeanor about him that is just kind of scary. And while he only so far has appeared a couple times, every time he's there, just his voice acting and his character design and the stuff in his in his dialogue choices are just so good and just really fitting for that character. And it just makes me think like that this guy is actually a threat. This guy's actually terrifying. Of course, Malos and Jin are really really good as well in that game. I'm really big fans of them, though they haven't really been elaborated all too much on. Jin's just kind of the the silent ninja guy that opens and sheaths his sword and then everyone gets cut up and dies. And then Malos is just kind of the bad guy that exists. And we've seen a little bit more with him, but definitely Akos is, is, is pretty scary, but I don't know if I'd classify him as like my favorite villain from a video game. Um, but, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to like pander through my head, just video games that I've played in the past. And who my favorite villain is. I like, you know, just kind of villains that exist in, um, you know, some of the, some of like the, the, the Telltale games or, or whatnot. Just kind of the villains that are there. But, um, uh, oh gosh. This is tough. This is really, really tough. Um, yeah, so I think if I'm going to have to rate it <clears throat> by the best villain that I've ever fought really in a video game. Honestly, I love the, the boss fight with Ganon in breath of the wild, but I don't know if I'd classify him as, as like, you know, my favorite villain, uh, from a game. Honestly, now that I look at it, I haven't played a lot of games that, you know, have like a clear overarching villain, you know, other than like breath of the wild. Cause like fire emblem with uh, three houses, there's not a clear villain, I mean, some might make it out to be Edelgard, but that's not really the truth because, of course, you can, like, side with her and everything. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to – I like the, the villains so far in Xenoblade 2. I really do like that. And then Ganon from Legend of Zelda. So those are, those are some, uh, some pretty solid ones so far. Uh, and last question is question 40. What is your favorite game from your childhood? Uh, I think I've brought this up before. I loved playing Pokemon a lot. I would play Pokemon with my friends, my neighbors, pretty much everyone. <clears throat> I would play Pokemon with them all the time. Like we would we would talk about trading. We would we would play together. We'd get the card game. We never actually played the card game. We would just buy the cards and look at how cool they looked, really. But 
I'd say probably probably Pokemon is my favorite game from my childhood. It's it's really nostalgic, and that's one of the reasons why I'm really upset with uh, the way that I see Pokemon going. Uh, maybe in a future episode, I will uh, talk more about my my opinions and whatnot, how I feel about Pokemon Sword and Shield and sort of like the future of Pokemon. But for now, I'll just post that my favorite game from my childhood was, was Pokemon. Probably either Gen 3 or 4 with uh, Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald, and Diamond and Pearl Platinum. <clears throat> those ones are just really nostalgic, and I, I really love those. They're some of my favorite games uh, of all time, even. All right, and with that being said, that is the end of Episode 7 of On Air with Aaron. Thank you all for tuning in for this week's episode. Again, I apologize for not having one last week, but I will be back onto a more consistent schedule, and I will be posting a video on YouTube for this one on this week, and then for next week, I post them all on YouTube. I will also upload them onto Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and pretty much anywhere else that you can find podcasts. Thank you all for tuning in, and have a great rest of your day.